I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what is good? Hanging, man. Hanging, having a, having a, a grand old time. Just, uh, you know, enjoying the beginnings of summer. And, uh, you know, same old, same old, man. You know, nothing crazy going on, but got a lot to talk about, especially... Uh, with what's going on right now with uh, the NHL trying to start up and lots of people testing positive for, for COVID. So having said that, uh, let's jump right in. Cause uh, that's, that's some newsworthy stuff. Yeah. I really don't know what the NHL's next move is. I, I did see that like early this week, they're supposed to come out and announce their hub cities. And, you know, rumor has been that the, Eastern Conference is going to play in Vegas and then they are trying to figure out like where the Western Conference hub city would be and you know I've seen things like Vancouver and Toronto and honestly you know as you look at the numbers that have come out this week a lot of uh these hub cities their their covid numbers are on the the incline so I don't know if that's going to affect where they pick. And, you know, I I think there's still so much uncertainty and the NHL definitely has a tough decision to make this, you know, early on this week, especially if they still plan on having training camps open July 10th. And I guess, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused as to why they've picked Vegas as the Eastern Conference hub, I mean, I guess it really doesn't matter, but I mean, wh- like, why Vegas and not somewhere? I think it really, I, I think it came down to like hotel availability. And obviously, Vegas has abundance of hotels. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, you know, the, the casinos have opened back up and people are starting to, to flood to Vegas. And I know that, like, the NHL plans on keeping everyone kind of in quarantine in their hotels, but I, I just, I, I feel like there's too much room for a mistake to happen. Oh, and, I agree. Absolutely. And, I agree. And you know, it's, it's Vegas. The temptation's high. And you know, these are 20 year old guys that are most of them single and millionaires and, yeah, yeah. you know, telling them, to stay in their hotel like you know how many times do nhl players break their curfew and you know even though they're they're supposed to you know be back at the hotel at a certain time there's tons and tons of players that don't really follow that and i don't know but vegas is the front runner from what i hear so we you know we shall see um you know the, the fact that there's no fans it really doesn't matter where they pick it it just came down to you know what city has the most hotels you know close to their arenas so i guess the real question you know the burning question that we could you know kind of just sort of dissect our opinions on you know i mean is is this really the right thing to do i mean because you got you, you look at it 
two ways, right? So you look at first, you look at the fact that we're talking, you know, health, safety, and security. Obviously, if a lot of if you know there is a spike in players that are testing positive for COVID, putting them in dressing rooms, locker rooms, putting them on the ice together. You know, I mean the the probability for for infection is really high. So I guess that begs the question, is this really the right thing for the NHL to do? Now, I'll just share my opinion first. And, you know, very vocally, I mean, I've, I've talked, you know, over the past couple of months about, you know, how important it is to have hockey back because it's something that, you know, brings people together, you know, it gives us joy. But, you know, at what cost should we be, you know, aching for joy when we're putting, you know, hundreds of people at risk, uh, you know, by potentially exposing them to, you know, what can be a life-threatening disease. So for me, as much as I would love, 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 love to see hockey come back, I, I'm i more in favor of them just canceling the season, waiting until next year where they could do it and be safe and do it the right way, you know, so that we can try to develop a way where we can put checks and balances checks and balances rather in and and try to you know make it a little bit safer and a, a bit more secure other than trying to you know kind of rush this to fruition when it's not really the best thing so you know what's your opinion well on all this I, i'm just thinking like hypotheticals like the fact that austin matthew's name came out as someone who tested positive, like Mm -hmm. he's a superstar. Like he's not like a fourth line goon. Like he is Toronto's superstar. Yep. And, you know, let's say, you know, I know it's early on, so, you know, there's still a a good chance that he would be able to play when player does resume. But let's say like he tested positive, like the day before playoffs are starting to like take off Mm -hmm. and he can't play. Is that fair? Is it fair that Toronto wouldn't have their superstar? Well, we already know what their fans would their fans would be up in arms. Like of course. Their their fans are so vocal and outrageous that like it would it would just be ridiculous, honestly. Of course. Yeah. So thinking like, wow, like a superstar can get this. Like it it, it really didn't cross my mind. Like when when there were reports, I think like a few people from the Tampa Bay uh, lightning's organization tested positive but like names didn't come out so we don't know yeah. exactly who tested like it could have been like an equipment guy he could, it could have mm-hmm. been like the zamboni driver <laughs> yep. so like to me i was just like yeah yeah six people tested positive you know that's a shame but i i think we could still do this but then once his name came out i was like wait a second this is probably not a good idea like if matt barzell gets covid who who yeah. who's gonna like do anything for the Islanders in the playoffs? Yep, exactly. And you know, to be honest with you, I didn't really, I didn't even think of it that way, because I mean, obviously, we're already probably going to put an asterisk on this season because, truth be told, it's just so wacky. But yeah, I, I didn't really think about it that way. So you know, like, let's just say, you know, nobody con you know contracts COVID on the Flyers, but yeah, you've got Austin Matthews, and let's say. Tavares catches it and all of a sudden you're, you know, two of your star players can't play. 
And then, you know, what kind of a competitive edge now do you have? Right. So, I mean, or if a goalie catches it, like, let's say your starting goalie catches COVID and can't play and you have to, you know, throw in a backup that maybe didn't play that much this year or even like a third string guy. Like, you know, we we do know that in in hockey, like sometimes it's just catching a hot goalie and like riding that streak. So there's just so many like uncertainties that. Is it worth the risk? Yeah, right. And and I think that's what it is, is the logistics of it all. And, and you know, understanding that, you know, the, the true test of, of understanding like a well-oiled machine, but, and, and it comes down to just having the players that can play, but having the, you know, the, the camaraderie and the togetherness of a team that has played together and can gel together. And, you know, I mean, if you're talking about players that don't want to play because they're scared about, you know, contracting this and putting their families and friends at risk and players that can't play because they're either high risk or they have already contracted this. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I feel like it's just like a, like a powder keg and it's just going to explode eventually. And it's just going to be all around probably not the best thing. So, and it all comes down to money. Like obviously the owners just want to play so that they can make more money and like, screw them. Like, I, I don't yeah, feel right. bad for you. I, I'm sorry. You are a billionaire, millionaire. Like, you know, yes, most of the players in the NHL, you know, they live a comfortable life. But, mm-hmm. you know, those third and fourth string guys that maybe are on like entry level deals. And, you know, when you factor in like how much they are paying their agents and all that other stuff, like. Absolutely. Yep. It, it's. It's not like they have enough money that, like, if their hockey career ends, like, they could live off that the rest of their lives. Like, they're not making that much money that, like, it's not – is is the risk bigger than the reward? Like, yeah. And, and for some of these players, it's not. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I know that, like, hockey players pride themselves on their grit and, like, how tough they are, but you're you're not tougher than a virus. So we'll yeah. see, but if, if it comes down to like more. owners making money, screw them, screw them. Yeah, exactly. Like, big time. I don't give a fuck yeah. about you. <laughs> yep. And you got, and, and they're going to have plenty of opportunities to, you know, recoup all these losses and make this money when, you know, it's safe to have, you know, these players play and it's safe to do all this. But yeah, I think, you know, we're going to be, you know, us too. Every every hockey fan, you know, around the country and the world is going to be waiting for this decision to come down, and there's going to be a lot of uh, maybe a lot of negative and positive reactions to it. But you know, we we are uh, keeping our our ear to the ground, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, so on that note, um, you know, we appreciate you sticking with us. So we've got a cool, super cool interview coming up uh, with, uh, with Guns from the Gun Show. Um, really awesome to, to connect with, with him. Um, I guess I could, I could let Mikey tell the story about how he realized that guns was an Islander fan. Uh, cause I had no idea. Yeah. But, I had um, no idea either. And like, <laughs> I was just like scrolling on the Isles meetups, Twitter account. And you know, I don't follow too many people. I, I follow like Islanders related people on that account. And for some reason, like Guns's comment showed up on my newsfeed. Like he commented to Frankie Borelli, who, um, you know, obviously his family owns Borelli's right across the street from the Coliseum, um, yep. but is also, you know, Barstool and 
you know, I'm not a big like stoolie by any means, mm-hmm. but one part of Barstool that I absolutely love is the pizza reviews. And Frankie is behind the camera on the pizza reviews. So like that's the only reason I really know who Frankie is. And then like, mm-hmm. you know, as the Islanders have I guess gone on some runs of late, you know, Frankie has been kind of like the celebrity fan. <laughs> and when I saw that Guns commented on Frankie's like fisherman sweatshirt he was wearing, I was like, holy mm-hmm. crap, is like Guns an Islanders fan too? So I had to hit him up. And oh, yeah, sure enough, <laughs> big Islander fan. And, you know, add it to the list of just, you know, people from this music scene who root for the same team as us. And, yep. you know, it's a little bit of a Homer episode, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, Guns brings so much energy and passion to our music scene and then also to to sports because he's a big sports guy. And it was just tons of fun because, you know, Guns is kind of like a pioneer in like the media side of our music scene because, Agreed. you know, yeah, we had Steven's Untitled Rock Show when we were in high school, you know, yep. hear, hearing our genre of music, like streamed or on the radio was like non-existent it didn't happen oh like, absolutely yeah. you know eventually oh, like when fallout boy like made it and like paramore made it like you know for us that's not where we heard those bands first like we heard them on you know pure volume or myspace or oh yeah p3.com like that's how we heard of these bands but like the fact that guns had a platform to play some of these like you know, underground artists before they blew up and, you know, had an ear for our genre music was just so unheard of. And it, it was it was so cool to be able to talk with Guns and he's just an awesome dude. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Guns did a lot for for the scene. He did a lot for, you know, getting getting ears, you know, ears on the the cool new music. And it was just such a blast to talk to him. And I, I really hope you guys enjoy his energy just as much as we did. So uh, without further ado, uh, just please go ahead and enjoy our interview with uh, with Guns. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Sleep close to me. So when I'm gone, you remember how I felt sitting comfortably. Just like the song says, every little thing is gonna be alright. Gonna be alright, baby. And when you're feeling low, I'll be by your side. I'll be there for you when you need me. I promise you, I'm never leaving. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Gonna be alright, babe. I've been waiting all my life for someone to love me how you do I'll give you anything you need, I swear I only wanna be with you You got me falling in the sun, shining on into the morning light So I can wake up to your smile Every little thing is gonna be alright Gonna be alright, baby And when you feel low, be by your side I'll be there for you when you need me I promise you I'm never leaving Cause every little thing is gonna be alright Gonna be alright, baby
back in the box with guns from the gun show. Guns, man. What's going on, dude? What is up, fellas? We, uh, things are all right. You know, I, I feel, I'm starting to feel a little bit more positive about sports. And I can tell you the last two and a half, three months have sucked. So this is all a win. Because I don't know when we're going to get live concerts. You guys know I'm a big music fan. But uh, I don't know when live concerts are going to be back. But at least we'll have sports to, uh, to hold us over. It seems like things are starting to point in the positive direction, my friend. So I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good. I think it might Love be. To hear it, man. I think it might be the first time that hockey fans didn't boo when Gary Bettman came on the screen. Like when I saw him, I was actually <laughs> excited to see him for once. I'm like, all right, he might be announcing that hockey's back and that's what he did so we're, we're still waiting for those official dates of when you know players are going to be able to start reporting and stuff and such but we're we're making steps in the right direction so yeah no, you're, exactly, you're exactly right like um you know i would think anytime you see batman you're just like oh no here it comes <laughs> you know what i mean you're just like this is going to be a disaster but congrats and applause to him and also the nhl for actually being competent or at least semi-competent so far. Like you said, we still, we still have a way to go. I saw that uh, recently they pushed back training camp to at least mid July. That's fine. You know, obviously that's because they just need to figure things out because the bottom line is if you're going to return to sports, there's a couple things I think truly need to happen. Um, you're going to have to have the testing and like, you can't just, and there's so many, you know, there's so many players, even though they're going to cut out like all the rest of things, you're still going to have the players and just, and, and so many involved that you need to make sure that you have testing, that you have enough temperature checks, like all that bullshit, but still like we would think is bullshit, but like, it's still the protocols that they just need to figure out. And if they need a couple more weeks, then, you know, they have to go till July, the middle of July and then start. I'm fine with it. Just give me the freaking sport back. That's all I care about. I can wait. Listen, we waited this long. I can wait a couple more weeks as long as they don't blow it, you know? Yeah, and I tried to understand like what the whole like draft order is gonna look like because you oh, know <laughs> and that made my head hurt and I was just like, Nope, can't you know, no one come to this podcast for the facts because I can't break that down. I'm I'm not knowledgeable enough to even figure out what the hell that was trying to explain. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, and like many things in life, I don't like getting my expectations up because like, I'm kind of like more of a straight shooter. I love having fun, but also like I'm a straight shooter. I don't even want to even think about that draft stuff. Cause who, I mean, like, I don't even think they know what's going to happen or how that's going to work out or how that's going to be quote unquote fair to everybody involved. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they threw out what they threw out, but I, th I could definitely foresee that changing. Um, you know, right now we don't even know what the hub cities are going to be for both conferences. Like they still have a lot to do, <laughs> but the fact that he made that announcement and it looks like the NHL is competent right now, I foresee this happening than not happening. You know what I mean? Like we are further this happening when a couple of weeks ago, I didn't know we were going to have any sports this year, let alone hockey. So I don't know about the facts. I don't know how that shit's going to work out. God help us. They make a lot more money than we do to figure that out. All I know yeah. is I can bet on hockey pretty soon. And that makes me happy. <laughs> Amen. And you're a brave soul. Betting on hockey is not easy, dude. No, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I normally did a lot, but I would still have some fun with it. You know what I mean? Like I, I follow some accounts on Twitter that they'll do like the first period over unders. And truthfully, like that's actually come to be pretty good bets. 
Like, well, you know, will they score more than, you know, one and a half goals combined, both teams, like things like that. But, uh, you know, I'm not a diehard gambler or anything, but not having the ability to, to bet on anything the last couple months. Like, you know, I was betting on Korean baseball because I wake up early in the morning. Like, that's Yikes. how bad it's gotten. That's how bad it's gotten. That's pretty bad, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good fun. You know what I mean? I'm not a degenerate, but like, like, hey, I'm betting like $20 here or there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like betting my life state. So, you know. <laughs> so uh, let me let me just uh, let me let me take us back way back, way, way back. Uh, to uh, your humble beginnings, and maybe you could tell me a little bit about uh, becoming Blink One Eighty Two and uh, what that was all about, and how that kind of <laughs> how that kind of launch padded you into uh, into kind of what you're doing today. That's so funny that you remember that and also bring that up. Normally, when I do interviews or even conversations, I have to bring that up to people first, and they go, "Oh, how did you get your start?" Blah blah blah. And then I always mention that you already know about that, so you are the MVP, my man. Hell yeah, I'm stoked on that. Um, hell yeah. Um, yeah, man, I was always a huge Blink-182 fan and, um, I loved music. Like, you know, grew up like loving like early Green Day and like Nirvana and started playing guitar. And, uh, I found out that New Jersey where I grew up had a really good, like pop punk, punk rock scene. And like, um, I had an older friend who, who went to high school with one of the guys from Nowhere Fast named Tyler. Well, Tyler ended up being in the band Midtown. And so I went to their first show just being like, oh, they're older than me, but they went to my high school that, you know, I'm in. So I went to their first ever show uh, from Midtown and Heath from Midtown, actually my dad taught him uh, and uh, a couple of years earlier. So my dad reached out to him and Heath was my guitar teacher every week, which is also wild being able to have your guitar teacher be the dude from Midtown who was uh, going to start touring from like, with like, Newfound Glory and like Good Charlotte and all these massive bands as everything became more popular. So I, um, you know, I love music, but I was in bands and stuff, but the odds of making it in a band are, are, are so against you. They're like one in 200,000 at least to be able to make it. And you didn't really have the internet really whatsoever back then. So it was a lot of grind and hustle and touring in a van and sleeping on floors and sleeping in the van. And that, um, you know, for everybody that did that, very few actually made it. And, you know, I had a lot of things going for me. I love music, but like, I never found like a band that was really all put together enough to go through those hardships. And I realized that you were going to have to. So I was like, all right, so how do I help out my friends that are in bands or just this music that I love? So I was like, I am an outgoing guy and I love being like, whether it's in front of the classroom or like doing plays or whatnot, like I love being in front of AKA the camera. So I uh, reached out to MTV. I saw there was a casting call to become Blink-182. And I was, you know, I was like 15 years old. Like my mom had to drive me to New York City. I had never been in the city. I decided, she had to sign all these waivers and shit because I was so young to be on national television. And uh, I knew all about Blink. I had the part, you know, I got like the lip ring for Tom DeLonge and, and all that. And I, and I ended up winning it, man. It was wild. It was wild, dude. I was, I was. I was the coolest motherfucker in my high school, dude. I was on fucking MTV, <laughs> dude. Let's go, dude. Hell oh, yeah. Man. Hell yeah. It's Hell so, yeah. It's so crazy to see, like, Carson Daly these days and, like, being on, like, the Today Show on NBC. And, and it's, it's crazy to think that, like, his beginnings started on TRL and he's still kicking it all these years later. 
Yeah, totally, man. And even like Ryan Seacrest, like Ryan Seacrest started in radio, like in rock radio, and then eventually went to top 40. He still does it. But like Carson Daly's first job, or not first job, but he was on K-Rock in LA. He was like, he grew up in that like kind of like less than Jake, no effects type music scene. And so he went to K-Rock, which was playing more of that music than now they play a lot more mainstream stuff. So Carson always had that. And then he was able to go to TRL and become like the face of TRL. Um, I give him props. Like when people ask like who I want to become, um, you know, obviously, like I always say, like I want to be Carson Daly or Ryan Seacrest, but cool. <laughs> I want to be the. Yeah, right. I want to be the cool version of that. But <laughs> listen, man, they're li- they're living out my dream right now. Like they were able to do to talk music uh, on a national platform, and now they're able to do entertainment and stuff. And that's kind of what I've been sort of able to do and continue to strive to do. But yeah, man, it's wild, and it- it's cool though, man, because it-, it all comes back to their music roots, and that's why I'm a huge music fan. And uh, it's it's been great for the Gun Show, which is my music show. Because I can interview artists, and I break news all the time with these artists and cover all sorts of trending and entertainment stories, but I also like bringing in the sports element to it because I'm a fucking diehard sports fan as well. Like, I am a huge Yankee fan, like, huge, like, so much so that, like, when they lost, uh, you know, to, to the Astros and stuff, like, I, like, hated, like, I was miserable for a week. Like, going to work, like, sucked. Like, I hated everything. Like, I'm a diehard fan when it comes to sports. And so it's been a cool thing that everything I'm doing is pursuing my passions and shit. So it's kind of rad. No, that's, that's beautiful, man. Like being happy, going to work and talking about the things you love just makes the, you know, the traditional nine to five, not so bad. Yeah. Well, I, I, listen, I haven't had a nine to five uh, ever in my life. Uh, the, the thing about this industry with broadcasting and I work for a different network and stuff. Um, you know, I first got an internship at Fordham university uh, when I was there as a freshman, uh, like interning on weekends for ABC radio. And then like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we have an opening on the morning show. Would you want to do that? Well, the morning show, I have to be there at three 30 in the morning. And then I started working for Imus, Don Imus when I was still in college. And like, these are like unprecedented and amazing opportunities, but I've never had a real story or all of a sudden it's like, you're always on call. They'll be like, oh, well, this breaking news thing happened. Go cover this fire or go cover this story and shit i'll be like fuck (laughs) so so the hours are always definitely crazy but uh i'm definitely grateful to be on the air and at least loving what i'm doing but it's crazy though man like sometimes i'll be like i'll have like a cheesesteak at 9 a.m in the morning or like leftover chicken parm and people would just people just be waking up and i'll be like but i've been up for five hours already working so it's like that's lunchtime you know (laughs) that's great so (laughs) mike you you mentioned you grew up in jersey I, I'm just so curious how a kid from Jersey becomes an Islander fan. Because it was, it, it, it's not yeah. so easy to get to the Coliseum from Jersey, as we all know. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely was a, you know, a process, but it was really, really like, it was only like an hour and 10, depending like the way you could do it and like kind of like time it out. All right. Um, to get there, or at least the way my dad was driving, but, uh, <laughs> As long you know, as long as you don't hit those, you know, hit the uh, hit hit the traffic, or as long as it's not an accident. But uh, yeah, we, you, my dad grew up having season tickets, so he was there when they won the four Stanley Cups. Uh, he would go with his brother, my uncle, and um, you know had had season tickets. So I grew up in an Islander household. I guess you know he wasn't going to be a Ranger fan, so if you weren't going to be a Ranger fan in the tri-state area, well, you were going to be an Islander fan. So he saw the glory years and all of that. So obviously as a kid, he would, we would go to the games. Like we would leave like right after school. So say like three, 4 PM, you know, we'd go to like, I, I think it was Hooters 
They, the, the, they always had the Hooters that was right near the NASA Coliseum that they would always promote. We'd go to Hooters and, um, you know, and all of that and then see the games. And, you know, I'm talking like Pierre Turgeon, Derek King years to, you know, to DiPietro to then obviously, um, uh, you know, more modern times as well. We try to go to a, a couple games and uh, still it's like a father son get together, but uh, or outing, I should say. But, yeah, I would always go to. Um, a good amount of games uh, and uh, throughout the year when I was able to. So uh, yeah, it was all through my dad, man. And like, I, those are some of my favorite moments with him is even just watching, you know, the, you know, the Island games at home and how excited he still gets, even though he's still old and, you know, he's up there in age and stuff. Now, you know, you mentioned the, the good old days of like, you know, 92, 93 with Pierre Turgeon. W- would you say that, you know, Pierre Turgeon would be one of your favorite Islanders or is it one of, you know, one of the modern guys on the team now? I don't, it's wild. I'd probably Turgeon just because I was so young and, you know, I'm playing the NHL Sega Genesis games and they had that run against um, the Canucks with Pavel Bure and stuff. And like Turgeon was just a beast. So, you know, you're talking like Kasparitis, you, you know, like that era of just Ray Ferraro. Like, I, I don't know if it's because I was younger and everything meant so much more to me. Or if it was just that they had, uh, they were just entertaining and the hockey was kind of different back then, you know, before the devils, you know, started changing with the defense and, you know, the trap and everything like that. It seemed, um, I don't know, man, it was just, it was just fun. So as far as my favorite Islander of all time, I mean, Churchon's definitely up there. I always loved Derek King, even though he really didn't do too much, but I always just loved him and like would put him on all my hockey teams and stuff. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been, it's been fun though, man, for sure. But you're talking church on that era was definitely kind of my favorite Islander teams until recently when, you know, we started being, I'm not a front runner, but it has been good to at least be able to see the Islanders good once again. So that way I'm just not depressed all the time. No, tell me about it. <laughs> you know, you know? <laughs> I, I was really young during those Turgeon years, but I do remember actually being able to stay up and late to watch those playoff games. But, you know, I was, seven six when when yeah. they were you know in in yeah, the early but... 90s and then the rest of my childhood was just doom and gloom like it was it was tough yeah. it really was yeah, and yeah you know I, I don't know if you faced it as much as we did but like you know obviously then the rangers go on to win the stanley cup and then like all my friends became like front runner ranger fans and here i am still being an islander fan just getting all this shit for how bad they are and then like the Gordon Fisherman jersey, like it, it was, it was tough growing up on Long Island being an Islander fan. Yeah, man, no, for sure. And I, I'm right there with you because it was in in Jersey. Um, you know, the, the the Islander fans were far and few between. Um, and you know, the Devils were so good with uh, you know, with with Brodeur and Scott Stevens, and when they want, you know, with, with all of them. So it's um. Uh, so they, you know, they were winning and then the Rangers who obviously I, we, we effing hate the Rangers so much. And when they started doing, doing better, or at least, you know, the, you know, the fact that, you know, the, you got to raise, they had Messi and Gretzky on the same team at one point. Like, what the fuck is that? You know, and like, <laughs> yeah. like God, so every front runner kid is going to love the, the Rangers and you're screwed as the Islanders. It's some are like, Oh, well it's like Mets compared to the Yankees. I don't know, man. I feel like the Islanders got a much tougher break. Uh, uh, Islander fans got a much tougher break. At least the Mets had like consistent, at least names. The Islanders stuck for so long, and we had such an incompetent owner that it was just a mess and depressing. 
It, well, we could say he was incompetent, but also he was pretty. Uh, he was pretty close to getting away with that whole scam with John Spano. We're talking about like I, I don't know if you watched Kevin Conley's documentary, the Thirty for Thirty one. I did. So I've seen. I have honestly, to be honest, I haven't DVR'd, and so I, I've seen parts of it, but I never delved into all of that. But I have. Uh, uh, I've read books like We Want Fish Sticks is a great book that I read and stuff like that. He, he listen, he, he was smart at what he did. He just, he was, listen, even Bernie Madoff was smart. You don't get to be that <laughs> big or a billionaire unless you're smart or at least know how to manipulate people. But I'm just saying, as far as a franchise, I, uh, you know, it definitely tarnished the, if that was anybody else besides the Islanders or say that happened to the Rangers, it would have been such a bigger deal. But the fact is, like, the mainstream media didn't really care about the Islanders or the Islanders had already sucked. So it didn't even seem like it, it was working. But what he did is just like, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it was a travesty. Or at least it set us back for so long, you know? Yeah, it sure did. And, you know, <laughs> when I don't want to give any spoilers, but I guess you kind of know already because Spano's in jail. But, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. He, and, so was, and so is Madoff. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like what they did was not uh, legal or ethically right. So that's what I was saying. Like, uh, yeah, he, he was smart to an extent to get where he is, to, to where he is or where he was, but uh, it, it hasn't worked out. But you got to look at how many years we kind of had wasted right there. Or just, I, it just feels good. My point is, I guess it, it just feels good that the Islanders are just starting to make moves once again. And listen, we I know we came off with a you know, six, seven-game losing streak before all this coronavirus shit happened. All I know is it's the new New York Islanders when we come back in the month or whenever it is, dude. We are going strong. This format, whether it's the round robin into then you go to the playoffs, we got to defeat the Panthers, fuck the Panthers, we got them. Then who knows? We play Carolina, whatever it may be. This is our time, yo. It is up for grabs, dude. You don't know what's going to happen because no one's played hockey in two and a half months. This is going to be exciting. And dude, cause you, dude, the Islanders can make a run, bro. Let's go. Dude, Ian from Newfound Glory is going to be really, really bummed that you just said fuck the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking, speaking of Newfound Glory, um, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, obviously Midtown and, and talking about, um, you know, some of those kind of early drive-through bands, um, you know, for, for Mikey and I, I mean, they were really, really kind of instrumental in, really kind of shaping our music tastes and kind of where we went musically from there. So, I mean, like, you know, of those like kind of original drive through bands, and I'm sure you, you, you know exactly who they are. I mean, you know, other than Midtown, like, you know, are there any other bands from that era that kind of jump out at you, you know, anyone that you remember, uh, you know, maybe, you know, interviewing and just totally flipping perspective on, you know, from, from any of those guys in, in uh, that kind of era. Totally dude. I, um, I was, uh, the starting line are some of my best friends to this day. Still, I'm going to Tom, the drummer's wedding uh, early next year. He sent me a wedding invite for that. Obviously, Newfound Glory were my dudes. Uh, it was funny. Ian was um, is a big Michelle Branch fan, and I used to run Michelle Branch's message boards because we had met a couple times at shows, and you know we, we kind of hit it off. Like she, She's great. She's an awesome person. I love Michelle Branch. She's so cool. And uh, you know they hired me to, be, to run her message boards, and Ian was a big... Pretty Spears fan back in the day, and he loved Michelle Branch as well. So she was playing a show in New York City at, at one of the, the venues, and uh, Ian hit me up, I think probably on like instant messenger days, maybe email. Um, it, and he was like, Hey, like we have a show a couple days later in New Jersey. Can I come up 
and stay with you and go to the show with you. So I had Ian from Newfound Glory stay at my house when I was a senior in high school for a couple of days. Like like in my guest room with my parents and stuff for a couple of days. And like, it's like my parents are like, well, what does he eat? I go, I have no idea. Probably anything. Cause it's Ian. If you look at him, but uh, yeah, yeah, but he stayed for a couple of days and stuff. And that was all about, you know, just music in, in, in general. So I've been very fortunate. I've even been doing the gun show now for almost like eight, nine years now. And, you know, it started out really bootleg and now it's become like still one of the most talked about our biggest, shows out there um you know have all-time low 21 pilots but i've also extended out branched out like i had mike tyson on i had um like dan and shay who are the biggest country superstars right now so i've had the, the nick jonas on like i've had a bunch of them on um so i've even been able to put this more into a career rather than just like the pop punk vibe but yeah man all those bands like you know the all those bands and the warp tour scene. You know, I did multiple warp tours um, and broadcasted live on the warp tours, warp tour radio for the gun show. So all that, all that shaped me into being the person I am. But yeah, man, I mean, I I was that mall kid, that the mall punk kid that would go and like hang up flyers or tell people they needed to buy this CD from Sam Goodies or whatnot. And uh, you know that that pop punk vibe was is totally uh shaped me to be who i am today especially growing up in new jersey with thursday and midtown and the early november and sense of yeah. sale and hidden in plain view and then you go to long island you had taken back sunday brand new glass job movie life just so many bands and envy on the coast stuff like that so i mean oh, what a great <laughs> i appreciate the envy on the coast reference those are our homies <laughs> nice yeah so i'm all up on it man like yeah music shaped me and like i love those were the glory days for sure dude glory days for sure now, I saw that you yeah, recently just talked with Andrew McMahon. So, you know, obviously yeah. he's a veteran in, in, in this music scene now. But like when you first started the gun show, you know, it was probably what, like the transition from something corporate to Jack's Mannequin around that time? Yeah, I think Jax had had started, um, had had been around for a little bit, but he had known me because I used to like, you know, I was always at shows and I knew a lot of the bands because everyone toured through New York and New Jersey. And, you know, I was just friends with them and like would go out afterwards or at least promote them a lot online, like mp3.com and all those things. So he had he had definitely a, had known of me. But even when I first started the gun show, like I would call on favors to like starting line or or, or like underworld and bands like I knew to come to, to be my initial guest, you know, Gabe from Cobra Starship, stuff like that. But, like, uh, when I first started, it took me a while to be able to get, like, approval to get somebody like Andrew McMahon or just, you know, these these larger artists that are, you know, My Chemical Romance, stuff like that, or, or Thrice, just because I wasn't, um, I wasn't, uh, like, uh, not determined, but I wasn't established just yet. Mm, so it, yeah, took, yeah. it took a while because, I, you know, and then I'd be, like, to the manager, I'd be, like, just ask them. They will say yes. Like, I promise they'll say yes. But you have to prove yourself, you know what I mean? Because no one's just going to throw somebody on the show unless you, you, you do something. So, uh, yeah, like, even, like, I get so pumped up when I'm, you know, I had Pete Wentz on from Fall Out Boy a couple weeks ago. And, like, I get so excited still to talk to him because it's fucking Fall Out Boy. Even though I've had drinks with them and pounded beers and stuff like that, like, I still get excited, man. The passion's still there. And, like, even Andrew McMahon, like, I was asking him questions about, like, the recording process and just, like, told him that these songs mean more to me now in quarantine than they did when I first heard them. Like, you know, I still ask those questions that I think the fans want to hear because when it comes down to it, I'm just a fan of, I'm a fan just like my listeners are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's kind of cool, you know, that you have that opportunity 
to, you know, to go back and, and, you know, talk to, you know, some people that have, you know, written music that's been really important to you that you revisited that you've, you know, kind of come back to that's been important to you. It's one of the things that, you know, we've had the opportunity to do, you know, granted on a smaller scale, but, uh, you know, I, I've gotten through this, you know, through this podcast, the opportunity to talk to, uh, you know, members of bands that are, are, you know, super duper important to me and, and, you know, people that have, uh, you know, written music that has, you know, gotten me through tough times and that has, you know, been played ad nauseum in, you know, in Gen 2 iPods and, you know, gold Discmans and like all this kind right. of stuff. So it, it, it's a really <laughs> totally. cool, it's, it's, a to, it's a totally cool perspective. And, uh, you know, getting to, to chat with you, you know, who obviously, you know, you've had all these, these awesome opportunities and, and, you know, you've really kind of, you know, quote unquote, built your brand, you know, from, you know, from, from kind of a, a small, kind of a small something to this huge thing it's just really you know really impressive really cool um you know so i i just i love to hear it man really do awesome no thank you guys for sharing and even like what you guys are doing like like you said we, we connected via twitter and stuff because you're like oh shit guns like the islanders like yeah sports is huge for me man and, and it's funny because you know i'm in various fantasy football leagues and even baseball leagues with members of bands and i think the crossover is uh is definitely there and I've been able to have on sometimes bands just on the gun show. And we would just talk sports rather than even, you know, and then maybe a little music. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the sports aspect is huge a lot, especially with the with more and more fantasy coming and uh, and, and leagues and whatnot. A lot of these uh, a lot of the musicians are in fantasy uh, leagues or follow sports or you can you know that much more about it because you do see them tweeting about the big games on Twitter and stuff. And and so that, that's been a lot of fun, too, because, you know, it's music and sports, my two favorite things and, and clearly your guys as well. Yeah, I'm uh in Nick Gambarian's hockey fantasy uh league. And <laughs> nice. Oh, I was yeah. in I was in seventh place before the pandemic, so I would have made the playoffs. Just want to get that out there. Duly <laughs> <laughs> noted. Duly noted. <laughs> now it's funny we we talk about Andrew McMahon, but I don't know if you saw uh, Brendan Burke, who's the broadcaster for the New York Islanders. He tweeted out like his pandemic Spotify playlist. And he actually had something corporate Constantine on it. Wow! How about that? Although that's it's a little depressing to hear in quarantine <laughs> when you're when you're when you're doing. But uh, that is, but that just shows that he's that he knows. You know what I mean? If you know, you know type stuff. Uh, you know, I would go for more of an upbeat type song, maybe like Hurricane or something. But uh, but uh, that's awesome though. That's that's rad. He was actually at the. Um, it's, it was either the main or the all-time low show at the pier down on uh, wherever the hell it is, downtown. I don't even know because I've left my apartment in three months. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I got to talk to him for a, for a bit there. He was at it was either the mains concert there or all-time lows concert there. So he definitely, uh, he's a good dude. He knows his music for sure. Yeah, I made him do one of those cameos. He was like raising money for one of the hospitals on Long, I Long Island. And I was like, man, it would be so fun to just make Brandon Burke say that he was a scene kid. And I knew that the money was going to charity. So I was like, you know what? 40 bucks to go to charity and make Brandon Burke say he was a scene kid. I'm all for it. <laughs> all for it. Absolutely. No, that's great, man. Yeah, no, it's fun. And it's great to see, like, just the crossover. Like, I had, like, Sean Merriman on, on, on the gun show. And he's, you know, he's a former uh, play for the Chargers. He, you know, yeah. he was Pro Bowl, the whole thing. And, and we just talked about music a ton. And then, like, I asked him who he loved sacking, and he said Tom Brady. Like, he always got amped up to just destroy Tom Brady, which I love because I hate the Patriots because I'm a Yankee fan, and I hate everything about Boston, including the Bruins, obviously. And, um, 
and uh, so like, yeah, it, it, it's it's very it's awesome to see just a crossover between sports and music, and just being able to talk to athletes about the music that pumps them up, and also being able to talk to artists about sports that they like watching back in the green room or when they're on the road on their tour buses. Touche. So, Mike, I'll ask you one final question. What's what's like your favorite pop punk ba- uh, band out right now? You know, since you mentioned that that's where Ooh. you're where you started out what what are you what have you been feeling lately in the pop punk world let's see i i mean knuckle puck I, i'm a big knuckle puck fan um they've been out for now a couple of years but they're working on new music and just released two new songs so i like them they're based out of chicago like in illinois and uh they they just put on such an energetic live show and just go wild so i definitely dig uh dig knuckle puck um the pop punk vibes like you know, this, this band Sleep On It, they're they're kind of up and coming as well. They're, they, they've been dating. Yeah, we had Zach stuff. on our show. He's a big uh, Chicago Blackhawks fan. Nice. Yeah, he's fun. They're really good dudes. So so they're always a, a, good, a good time for sure. But uh, so definitely check them out. Outside the pop punk realm, like the band Camino, I think are going to be absolutely massive. And they're really good dudes of mine. And they, they write like, uh, it's more like an alt rock vibe for them. Um, but of course, like all time low just dropped a brand new album that I think everybody should listen to, especially at this time of year in quarantine and all of that. So, uh, I think they're all good. Uh, things like that. It's like up and coming or or lesser established bands like knuckle puck sleep on it. Um, and then of course, all time low is like brand new one is, uh, is just ridiculous and, uh, so, so good. So, all right, well, I'm going to give you a recommendation. Check out origami angel. They, they are. Okay. They're very, very low key. I think they're on like Chatterbox Records, like a very small label, but I think you'd dig them for sure. Okay. I'll definitely check them out. I will definitely check them out and let you know what, uh, how that goes. So very right. cool. Mike, well, we really appreciate you coming on. We know that you got uh, big things planned for tomorrow that we don't want to take up too much of your time, <laughs> but it really has been a blast. And, you know, once the Islanders go on their deep playoff run. We'd love to have you back on and be a, oh, dude, a hometown that, hero. Man. We could have Zoom sessions and just drink and celebrate the Islanders, man. It's going to be fun. I'm so pumped up that sports is coming back. I would love if, the, if, if baseball got their shit together, though, because uh, that doesn't look too good right now. But at least, listen, as long as we can get you know NHL first, maybe some NBA, and then maybe baseball will get their shit together. But uh, yeah, man, I'd love to come back on. And you're damn right. We got to make a run for it. Let's go. Let's go, Trot. Let's get the shit together. Let's get these guys in order. Come on now. At least Let's we're healthy. Go. But, you know, we're healthy. So is every other team. So I, I think uh, <laughs> we just got to get started hot, like early on in the playoffs. And then you never know from there. That's true, man. Like people are saving even from like the uh, the uh, baseball standpoint. Their uh, baseball, you know, would only be eighty games or so, but that's still up in the air, man. Because like if you're if you're hot and you can roll, that's all it takes. You can like we've seen crazier things happen. I think it's uh it can be up. For, you just got to get through that first round. You know what I mean? You just got to get through the Panthers first and then figure out or the round robin, whatever it's going to be, um, or classified as. Just get through that and then. Uh, Sky's the limit, you know? Who knows? You don't know what the hell can happen. Maybe, you know, so star players could come back on other teams and just pull muscles or some shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, and just be like, Yeah. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun to watch sports again, dude. <laughs> so Fisherman Jersey, yay or nay? Uh, <laughs> I kind of like it now. All you right. know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I don't mind it now as much. Like, 
I give, I, I kind of like, if I see somebody on the street, it's a Manhattan wearing one, I kind of just give them like a fist pump in the air. I'm like, my <laughs> man, like you went through it. Like you went through it, you know? <laughs> All right. I just had to squeak that in there. That's funny, dude. That was like the Brett Lindros days. The, uh, oh, yeah. God help us. God oh, yeah. Help. Awesome. If only, if only he was I, like I really Eric. All right. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. I was hoping. I was hoping he would be too. Uh, All right. Stuff. So everyone, make sure you check out the gun show. It's what Sunday and Wednesday. Sunday and Wednesday night. Everything is guns. G U N Z. Everything's at the gun show. Instagram, Twitter, um, Spotify. Everything's the and uh, it's the gun show. G U N Z. And you can get all the info there. Perfect, Mike. Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. If this is what you want, I'll show you what you get. For taking higher roads with a cooler head. Instead of weighing outcomes, it's as it lay. We go on and on, on and on. I want to follow through, it doesn't matter how. I want to breathe the air and not just to let it out. Instead of laying off the car, just breathe. If the world is up. Infectious energy, man. That's the only way I could describe that interview, man. He's just off the wall. Such great stories. Uh, so cool to interact with him. And it, it makes sense. Like, you can understand why, um, you know, he's developed that voice and, and why he does what he does. I mean, he's just got such a clear, presentable, and just infectious energy and enjoyment for, for what he does. And you can't help but kind of like smell that and take it in and, and, you know, and, and want to do it too. So I really, really loved it, man. That was such a cool interview. Like if you and I were like more serious about this podcast, we'd be like salivating, like at his like success story. But you know, yeah, right. obviously you and I are just doing this as like a passion project on the side, but of course, you know, he, he is just proof that, you know, with some hard work and, you know, sticking to something you, you can succeed mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you can find the career that you truly love. And I, 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 you know, just by talking with him for 40 minutes or whatever it was, I could tell that he truly loves our genre of music. He also loves like sports and entertainment, like, you know, so he gets to talk about those things every single day. So totally jealous of that. 
And, yeah, right. you know, he's just a, a success story. It's, it's always good to hear. And I, it's so funny that, like, in our intro, we we're, we're kind of like Debbie Downers. Like, I don't think hockey could go on. But, like, when we recorded this interview, we were, like, on on cloud nine. Like, we were so pumped. Like, you know, Bettman came oh, on. Yeah. There was the date, July 10th. Like, hockey was coming back. And, you know, it's just kind of showing how much can change in a few weeks. Like, that's kind of the state of the country, state of the world right now. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And it's scary to think that, you know, but this is this is kind of 2020 and this is how how emotions are. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's such a again, you know, I use the term powder keg, but I think it's the best word to describe what a lot of Americans are feeling in terms of their emotions. I mean, it's just like such a, a day-to-day battle. You know, when you've got, you know, a good portion of the country that's you know, still still unemployed or they're furloughed and, you know, they're struggling to, you know, find what's next for them to make sure that they can make ends meet. And, you know, and then there's people who unfortunately are, are grieving, you know, the loss of their loved ones from, from you know, this, this, this terrible disease. And, you know, people that are have to now rebuild their lives and, and change their, their entire objectivity of livelihood. And it's just, it's a crazy thing. And, you know, obviously, you know, we, we're not sitting here trying to to bring the energy down. But the truth of the matter is, you know, someone like guns, it's just such a, a, it's so awesome to hear him because, you know, in times like this, when energy is down and a lot of things are just like very much, you know, on the kind of on like the seesaw and things are just going up and down. It's really good to know that you can kind of hone your energy onto someone else's energy who is just so positive and so, you know, happy to be doing what they're doing. So, you know, I hope that as you guys listen to this interview and you can kind of catch some of those vibes and maybe let them kind of flow into your life if you can. Like I said, I know it's a hard time for a lot of people, but, um, you know, we're very blessed to get to do what we do, you know, this, this being such a cool thing for us. And we hope you kind of catch some of those vibes, man. We really do. Amen. Yeah. So like, you know, when we were talking to guns, you know, obviously he he's a vet these days. And like, yeah, being a vet, sometimes you like sometimes lose your your roots a little bit. Like, you know, yep. he started with that, like independent music scene. But, you know, now he's interviewing superstars and, you know, mm-hmm. top 40 artists. And, you know, I, I wanted to see if he was still in touch with the scene. And he clearly is throwing like knuckle puck out there, you know. Yep. I know you mentioned that you've recently uh, started giving knuckle puck a chance. And it's just so funny that, you know, this past week they just released their new music and it, um, one of their new songs, actually the the song that I uh, played leading into our outro features uh, Derek from Mayday Parade. And, you know, it's a banger of a track, um, a little more on the poppier side for knuckle puck, I would say, but mm-hmm. uh you know, Knuckle Puck is definitely a band that I've been digging for a few years. So it's cool to hear that, you know, Guns is into them. And yeah. uh, I'm just curious, like, what have you been digging these days? I know Newfound Glory put out a new album uh, this past week. Did you get a chance yep. to spin that yet? I haven't listened to the Newfound Glory record yet. I did listen to the new Owen record, uh, who's one of my favorite artists, you know, for those listening who aren't familiar with him. Uh, it's um, Mike Kinsella, who is the. A lead vocalist and I guess lead guitarist, you might say, of American football, who are one of the really popular Midwest emo bands that are, you know, had a revival 
but in the 90s they were probably one of the most important bands that anytime you talk to any emo bands i, I would say 50 percent of them are going to cite american football as one of the people you know one of the bands i should say that uh that you know influenced them pretty heavily so uh, getting to listen to owen's new record was super cool it's called the avalanche um now I, you know i don't know if we talked about about this or if you're even aware of it but did you know that emory put out a new record um i think i did know that and i might have even like put on like they might have shown up on my uh like spotify recommendations but i would be lying if i said i you know put the track you know the album on and listen track by track yeah um you know it's kind of interesting so i listened to you know the first four or five tracks of it and i um the production value was kind of a little iffy for me i mean like it sounds rounded but like in terms of like the volume leveling it's it's not really quite there with like all of your other like other music that's on the same plane as it it's like kind of really seems to be mixed a little bit poorly uh i mean the music the content i mean it's you know kind of what you expect from emery but even though it's kind of crazy to think that emery has probably put out about this point maybe seven albums you know they've really had a really kind of prolific career and they're one of those bands that you kind of sleep on you don't think that they've got that much material but they really do but um so I think the deal are... with like Emery is that they have like branched out into so many different paths, like with like yeah. their podcast. I think they even have yep. their own label now. I think they have their own studio. So I think they do like pretty much most of like the band aspect of things themselves. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's why you're noticing a, a change in the, the quality. I mean, you know, maybe okay. they're doing it themselves and not really as polished in that department but absolutely and then um uh you know uh one of our favorite bands acceptance yeah i did I listen have... to that yeah, it was what, a little what was, what was your impression i i hate to say it but i was a little underwhelmed like it, it had like the the 80s vibe like a lot of yep. bands are doing now i i, I have noticed that trend that mm-hmm. you know it's got like that 80s feel but lyrically it was just like boring kind of flat right it was and, and uh, i hate I mean, to say that because i love acceptance i love aaron sprinkle i i believe he's yeah. the one that produced it mm-hmm. it was just uh a little you know boring i you know if i ever listen to that song again i it would be uh you know by by chance it, it wouldn't yep, be and, on purpose and that's the other wild thing about acceptance too i mean you know a couple of years ago they put out that new record i think it was called like colliding by design um, and that record just as a whole was very underwhelming, um, you know, and, and it kind of makes you makes you think were, you know, were Acceptance the kind of band that was really just like a, a one shot deal. You know, I mean, like that EP was fantastic and they followed it up with that, you know, that fantastic record. But, you know, they took such a long hiatus. And when they came back, I mean, you know, everything they've kind of put out has has really has not clicked with me. And hopefully, I mean, it's clicking with with, you know, with other people and other people are enjoying it. But um, I think acceptance is kind of like American football where they. Kind of like disbanded before their peak. Oh, yeah. No, I I I mean, like, you know, they they broke up very early after Phantoms was, you know, out and like Mm -hmm. fans didn't even get a chance to like digest it or like 
see them on their tours or any of that. And yeah, before you know it, they were not a band anymore. And but I um, think that's why all you know all of us for so many years held that album so closely. Yeah, is because that was it. Like there was nothing out after that. Like imagine they put out like a stinker of an album after that. We might have mm-hmm. been less engaged all these years. And you know who I think of? Not not to completely roll it off the tracks, but you know what I think of too when I think of that kind of thing? I think of Days Away. Now, if you remember Day, if you remember Days Away, that band Days Away, I'm sure you do, right? Yeah, I I, I couldn't name a a, a track of theirs. <laughs> so like they put out this full length record that was just absolutely phenomenal. And then I think after that, maybe the next year they put out. Uh, I want to say it was like an EP, but then after that, they, you know, they disbanded and they went on to do, you know, different things, obviously. Um, what did he end up doing? I can't think of what he ended up doing, but it'll come to me probably long after we're off this podcast. Uh, but um, it, that was another one of those bands who just put out this, you know, tremendous record that was just so ahead of its time. And then, you know, b- before they knew it, they were they were gone. Um, so, you know, just kind of a, kind of a bummer that acceptance is falling into that, um, into that umbrella, but, uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff coming up that I'm really excited for, you know, obviously the new knuckle puck record. I'm excited for that. Um, uh, one of my favorite bands, a band called mansions is putting out uh, a new record, which I'm very, very excited for. And, um, another band, uh, and we've had, um, uh, you know, we've had, um, uh, such gold, you know, on the show before, but one of their side projects, Taking Meds, uh, is putting out a new EP as well. That's um, due to be something really cool. So, a lot of good stuff coming up in the next uh, in the next month or two. Is there anything that's on the horizon that we haven't mentioned that you're looking forward to? So, like this past week, I did a lot of like projects around my house and okay. like, even yard work. And okay. for some reason, I was in like a kind of like pop and like even like maybe like hip-hop vibe and totally out out of the ordinary for me and i've been listening to that band chase atlantic i i know i sent them to you and you're like what the hell is this but like (laughs) for some reason when i'm like kind of just like doing stuff around the house that i can't really like think too deeply about like the lyrics or anything like it's just kind of like background noise and i i want to like work fast and get like stuff done it's been like the perfect music to listen to. I, I, I don't know what it is. And like the backstory about Chase Atlantic, because like, obviously I, I've been listening to him a lot and I was like, I have to like know who these like artists are, like who are these guys? Yeah. And they're like mm-hmm. these geeky Australian dudes, like so geeky, like skinny, skinny, nerdy looking, just Australians. Like it's, it's so huh. b- bizarre to me. And like they their lyrics are so like kind of like out there and like dark and talking about like doing like really hard drugs and it's just so out of out of the ordinary for me. But for some reason this past week I've been listening to them heavy. And they actually played the last warp tour. Oh wow. So they they are kind of in our scene, but you know, it it's one of those like what's like the new way that artists are discovered what is it uh like especially like rappers i don't know i'm not sure what you like 
SoundCloud. Mean, like, yeah, SoundCloud. Oh, SoundCloud. Okay, I, I get what you're saying now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I feel like they're, like, one of those kind of artists or, like, a YouTube artist, but okay. somehow still kind of fit into our scene. And maybe it's just the scene is changing. I don't know. Could very well be, man. I mean, um, you know, there's this band um, called uh, called Super Whatever that kind of, like, I feel like fits that, that mold. Um, they're kind of, like, in the rock scene, but they're more of like a kind of like poppy sort of like almost kind of like chain smokers y sort of deal where, you know, it's like they're using a lot of electronic elements. They're using a lot of like, you know, big sounds and, you know, the, you know, the big kind of like arena style, like drums and claps and like just big, big sound. Um, but they still kind of have that little like, you know, kind of indie alternative edge to them. So, you know, like that's another one of those bands that kind of like has transcended the genres. But I mean, like, yeah, like, you know, know, we've already talked about this band, like, but like Bad Rabbits, it's like Bad Rabbits in our music scene. But do they necessarily belong in this music scene or do they just transcend so many different scenes? And like, I guess Chase Atlantic kind of gave me that vibe, too. Awesome, man. I love it, man. I, I really love it. And, you know, it's cool. You know, branch out a little bit, listen to something new. I just discovered this, um, uh, this, uh, like, Queen and Adam Lambert documentary on Netflix, man. What do you and, want uh, from me? Yep. What? That's, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah, that's Adam Lambert. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? That absolutely is Adam Dude, Lambert. Dude, I, I, I'm honestly, like, <laughs> I have no hard feelings against Adam Lambert or really it doesn't come across my mind much, but like yeah. that, that's kind of like an ongoing joke with Caitlin and I, like when she's like, like, what, what are you doing? I'm just like, what do you want from me? <laughs> that's just my like stupid, silly response. And I don't even know if I've ever heard that song in completion, but it's just, it's a, a great, like kind of comeback when you know, you're just being an idiot and you're like, all yeah. right, I'm just going to sing this stupid lyric. But I'll tell you, man, if you get an opportunity to do this, it's a cool documentary. Just, you know, how, you know, they kind of fell. Just, just kind of by happenstance, they ended up. Excuse me, getting connected up with Adam Lambert and, uh, you know, wanted to give it one one more go, you know, because obviously Queen kind of did their thing with Paul Rogers, who was very, very, very different, you know, than, than Freddie Mercury. And then they've got someone like Adam Lambert, who isn't trying to be Freddie Mercury because no one can be Freddie Mercury. but you know, Adam Lambert ended up, you know, being very much a um, like an integral part in kind of revitalizing Queen, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody came along with Rami Malek and that kind of, you know, speaks for itself. But uh, very, very cool if you get to watch it. But, you know, I just wanted to mention that other than, you know, all this newer music, I've been just playing a bunch of Queen songs because I love Queen. They're a great band. And, uh, and, I, and I really do. That's feel like, like uh, Journey, right? Doesn't Journey have a new lead singer that's like vietnamese or from the philippines or i wouldn't doubt it man i see i've never been a super super big journey fan to be truthful but uh, i wouldn't doubt it man i mean that's kind of like you know sometimes you move on from your from your main dude and you got to do something a little bit different and uh but he's like uh, a clone like like not, <laughs> not appearance wise but like vocally it can just belt it out to the best of the journey songs listen man if you can belt it out just belt it out man Amen. All right. Well, Tom, it's been a blast. (laughs) As always, (laughs) always. bro.
as always, man, um, you know, obviously we, we appreciate you guys listening to us drone and drone on about whatever nonsense we talk about. And you, but you know that this episode's ending with the Chase Atlantic song, just so so all of you guys yeah, know. Yeah, I guess I guess it's gotta, right? I mean, <laughs> that's that's fine. I'll take it. For that's what, what, that's what, uh, what I could do since I get to edit out whatever nonsense we're talking about. Yeah, and exactly. I also get to pick the music, so. Hey, man, if you want to just. If you just want to edit this all out and just play more Chase Atlantic songs or Picture Atlantic or that other band that had Atlantic Stand, in its Stand name. Stand Atlantic? I, was it Stand Atlantic? Uh, the New Atlantic was, that's the band I'm thinking of. They were that, they were this cool band from the 2000s, man. I, I don't know. I listen to too much music. It's crazy. I'm not going to talk to you anymore about this. Here's what I'm going to say. Check us out, Bar Down Breakdown. We got all of our archived episodes. Check out uh, on Twitter and Instagram, BDBD Podcast and at Bar Down Breakdown. Interact with us. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you like what we're doing. Um, Leave a review. Interact with us. <laughs> give, yeah, you give us a review if you want, man. That'd be cool. Give us stars. Uh, we've got our uh, our sweet, sweet playlist of that keeps growing every time we have a cool artist on. So make sure to check that out, and hopefully you'll hear uh, some of your uh, new favorite music. By the way, uh, we forgot to mention, but awesome interview that we did with uh, with with uh, Protest the Hero, with Rody from Protest the Hero. Their new record just came out, so make sure you go spin that shit because it's dope. But uh, you know, come along, come along on the ride with us. Come along on the journey with us because we're always journeying. We're journeymen, and that's what we're all about. So we appreciate you listening. We appreciate the love. Be safe. Be strong. Speak up. Make sure your voice is heard. And that's all I can tell you. So on that note, Michael, peace be with you, and also with you. Down. You were body and low slide, babe. Need I be separated? Got different Heard me on the radio. Yeah, hit my phone. I said, baby, I need another night to be alone. A cigarette on my window ledge. I wish I'd known that baby we weren't finished yet. In my line, in my line, baby, call me anytime, but I won't call you mine. Draw the line, draw the line, baby, I can lay you down, but I won't. Baby